Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Now, do you recognise me because I currently look like a prodded piece of Wagyu beef after after my spa day yesterday? Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, my goodness. I don't actually really want to know about it. Oh, because I was going to tell you all about it. (laughs) Go on, tell me all about it. I'm joking. Well, you know when you just look at yourself and you think, I don't do anything for me. Like, I genuinely do not. Like, the other day I was at work and Ashley Roberts said to me, oh, fucking hell, girl why don't you go and get your nails done it's like because they looked horrendous they were like all chipped and bumpy because I painted over them about 15 times and I was like I don't even make the space to go get my nails done I have to schedule it in and Dodger and I had a big chat we just said yeah. we need to start doing stuff for us you know I'm not talking about going to an event or hanging out with the kids I'm like just the two of us yeah. having a conversation outside of the house that doesn't involve lists or school yeah. runs or what yeah. you need to get from the supermarket do you know yeah no I know exactly what you mean because well I mean we're finding it at the moment we're like ships passing now that yeah. James has a proper job and then obviously goes and trains as well um yeah. and we felt like we literally were talking about this the other day and we were like we we are actually gonna have to like put in a time like once a month or something yeah or once every couple of weeks where we go out and yeah because it, it, when you when you're child free I don't know if you find this especially where you've moved house you almost think right okay I've got a child free weekend I must do all of these things because I'm not going to get a chance to when the kids are here and it's like you know sort out the loft like book a decorator you know all these things and yeah. actually none of it is for for you like for us but it just feels like okay we've got no children we have to do this I've got to be honest with you if I had a child-free weekend <laughs> I'd be on a on a jet plane to the White Isle <laughs> or I'd be like ringing up all the local cocktail companies going listen right can you come around and set some sort of bar set up going on in the garden <laughs> yeah I know what you mean though I guess it's, it's not even child-free it's, it's more like if you have a child-free couple of hours you just yeah. you wouldn't ever think about going off with the person that you love the most in the world and going and sitting with them and just looking in their eyes and having a proper chat you would just do the the to-do list and we just got into that funk but yesterday we completely dropped off the edge of the world and it was lovely and then we went into London and he'd um can you believe Dozer did this? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listening this is great. He behind like all in secret had got in touch with 
um, my like my little best mates, um, Nick and Tim, who are Luna's godfathers, SJ and Ben, and they and then we went to the Charlotte Street Hotel, just me and Dawes. I thought we were just going to have dinner, just the two of us. And then out of nowhere, the four of them walked in and they did surprise. Oh and That's so nice. Dawes said it was to say thank you for me working so hard this summer. Oh. oh. <laughs> Did you cry? I bet you did. I didn't cry actually, because by oh. that point I was a bit drunk and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "No, I, yeah, it was really nice." Um, so, how's things with you? Have you got any news for me? Uh, do you know what? I'm really sorry. I I don't have any news. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, let's just get like, into the podcast. Sorry, guys, this is so boring. <laughs> I have zero news. No, do you know what? I'm just, you know, Gigi's just got into her new preschool. I'm I'm trying to get my head around the the new like after school clubs and all that, but. This weekend, after this weekend, I'm sure I'll have some news for you all on Tuesday. Okay, we wait. We're all going to be waiting. Exactly. You're all on the edge of your seats to see what wild antics I've been up to. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. Um, Well, today's podcast, obviously, because it's a Friday, we are doing a Q and A for you guys, Um, and we're going to be speaking to somebody who we've actually had on the podcast before, Emma O'Leary, and she's a speech and language therapist expert, I guess. And she was fantastic the last time she came yeah. on. So we thought that we would open it up to you guys to send in any of your issues, any of your concerns about your kids' speech um, or development, um, just any kind of general conversation around it. And we'd fire her the questions from you. Yeah, let's get into it. Back by popular demand, our lovely Irish pal, Emma O'Leary. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you, my love? I am most wonderful. Delighted to be back again, girls. Oh, thank you so much. Do you know what? We have received so many questions and I think there are so many people that are concerned about their child's speech and language. So shall we just jump straight in? Jump in. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, let's go to Charlotte. Tips for a three-year-old with delayed speech, please. Limited help with COVID. So many people have said that, by the way, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to distinguish here, somebody saying delayed speech, and I just want to clarify, when we're talking about speech, we're referring to pronunciation. But oftentimes what people actually mean when they say delayed speech is they might actually be referring to expressive language. So maybe their little one of three isn't using as much language as they'd expect. So regardless, um, it's just that they're treated a little bit differently. You'll often hear people, and I said that on the last time that we were together, um, speech delay is is looking at pronunciation. And for pronunciation, um, there are kind of different ages and stages or milestones that we'd expect speech sounds to be resolved by or sorted by um, before they're considered to be delayed. Um, So depending on whether they're mixing up sounds, um, like they might be saying tar instead of car, for example, which is appropriate till four, or they might be leaving off the ends of their words, which is appropriate until they're about three. So depending on where they're at, um, if they have a speech delay or you're concerned that they're not where they're meant to be at with their pronunciation, in terms of at home, what you can do is just lots of modeling the correct form of the word. So if they are saying things like, oh, uh, daddy, there, tar, you go, yeah, there's a car. It's a big car. I see the car. Beep, beep goes the car. So you're modeling the correct form of the word and giving them lots of opportunities to hear it being said again and again, getting down to their level and in their face, kind of face to face when you're doing that. So they're having an opportunity to look at your mouth and to hear what it is that you're saying. And also just so that you can kind of connect with them at their level. If this person, though, is actually meaning speech, that's that's kind of the advice I would give. Um, And also not getting into 
trying to get children to repeat things after you the correct way. Sometimes we default to that when we're trying to maybe get them to look at our mouth and say, now you say car and they just look at you and walk away. Why why is that not a good idea, Emma? Because they can't say it. They can't say it. And oftentimes they actually can't hear. It's it's phonological. So it's at the level of their brain. They're they're not aware that they're doing it. And like, they're not hearing that the difference between what you're saying and, and what they're saying. So sometimes you'll have a very, you know, a typical scenario where you might be out and about and um, a child goes, buyer, or you, you say, no, no, it's not a buyer. That's a fire. Okay. So they've said buyer, you've said buyer, and they've actually only heard the correct word, the correct form of the word fire once. Okay. Right. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not repeating back the air that they're making. Instead, we just want to bombard them with the correct form of the word as many times as is naturally possible in the conversation so that they're getting lots of opportunities to hear the word they've said being produced correctly in a meaningful moment in something that you're chatting about together. Um, so in that situation, going, oh, yeah, that's a fire. Oh, a big fire. The fire is hot. Careful. Fire. Okay. So you can you can repeat it back, and they've heard it now four or five times being produced the correct way. You're down at their level. They're getting to see your mouth, and they're hearing it in relation to what you're talking about together. So that's a really good learning moment as opposed to trying to get them to look at your mouth and repeat it after you, which isn't meaningful to them because they can't hear the difference. You're much better off. And all the evidence says you're much better off repeating it, um, just the correct form of the word and and what we call kind of modeling it for them so that they have an opportunity to hear it being modeled and recasted. So we've had quite a lot of questions um, around raising bilingual children. Um, so one lady has asked, is it bad to speak mother tongue at home, but English at nursery? Absolutely not. So look, this is a question that comes up time and time again. And people ask me about bilingualism and multilingual children. What's the best thing to do? What's you know, how to approach it and I suppose how to support children in in learning more than one language at home. In terms of parents um, speaking their mother tongue um, at home, I think it's a really, really good, like, let's say if I was French and French is my first language, it's really great if I can speak in my mother tongue at home with my child um, because you're giving them a really good language model. So, If you think about um, speaking your own language, it leads to better interaction with your child. So it's going to help your child to learn different or new languages, but they have to have a well-developed first language. So speaking to your child in your native language means that you're the best model of the rules and features of your language and that they can then kind of use this to map um, or to help with any new languages that they kind of learn in the future. So essentially, they have to learn the set of rules for one language and then map it onto the second So speaking your native tongue at home is brilliant. And children then will obviously go to preschool or nursery and they will be exposed to English. And what happens then is because they have a good, strong foundation of speaking their mother tongue at home, um, like let's say it's French or Mandarin or whatever it is, they can then map those rules when they go to learn their second language and it makes it a lot easier. Mm. The problem is, is when maybe my first language is Mandarin and my English is good, but it's not a hun- like it's not fluent. It's not fantastic. It's my second language. It's, it's good. I can conversationally have a conversation with you in English, but Mandarin is, let's say, my, my first my first tongue or my mother tongue. I don't have the same um, fluent um I suppose, insights into the rules of like grammar and all of those different things. So what happens is we're not maybe modeling the best version of a language for a child. Does that, does that kind of? Yes, totally. Yeah, that does make sense. So I suppose oftentimes people can be concerned about their 
children doing things like what we call code switching, where they might say part of a sentence, let's say in Mandarin and part of it then in English or part of it in Polish. And then a little bit of it might be in Latvian. Okay, so they're mixing they're mixing up their languages. And it's a really typical thing for children to do. And I always reassure parents around that. That's a very typical thing um, where children will say maybe part of the sentence in one language and the other, because it's all coming together for them yep. in their brain. And they're, they're teasing out the two. Um, so in terms mm-hmm. of kind of ways, I suppose, to support children at home, like talking with your child in your own language about what you're doing in everyday activities. So maybe like meal times or bath time, dressing, that kind of thing. Or even having fun with rhymes or songs and games from your own language. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to bilingualism, sometimes there can be really dodgy advice out there, particularly if children might be a little bit, I don't know, um, quieter or slower to talk. And you might get things like, oh, no, you should only speak one language. You're confusing her by speaking two languages or, um, you know, they're going to be delayed and they're going to be behind now because you're speaking two languages. Those are all myths. Um, they're, okay. they're not true. Um bilingualism or multilingualism does not cause language delay just like um some children who are monolingual or speak one language may be language delayed bilingual or multilingual children may also be language delayed but it's not caused by the fact that they speak more than one language and it's it's important to be very clear about that there was a lot of conflicting advice sometimes being given to parents um when they were maybe moving to the uk or to ireland from other countries and english english wasn't their first language and we're being told look you need to speak english at home or they're not going to be able to speak english in school but that's that's not the case we need to speak our mother tongue and model model our mother tongue at home so they can learn the foundations of a language and like i said then map it onto a second language when they go to be exposed to it in preschool or Do nursery you know that's or so interesting emma because yeah. i genuinely think georgia and i both thought from what we've been told that speaking you know you're having a child that is being brought up in a bilingual house yep. would stunt their speech and development yes yeah and it's it's you're not alone it's a common misconception mm. and to be honest i think it was because it was maybe discussed or talked about years ago that that was the case but it's not yeah. have research okay. to say now that right. it's not and actually right. You know, I always encourage parents around like some of the benefits of speaking more than language. There's lots of research now that shows that children that learn two languages at a young age often have better problem solving skills than their monolingual peers. Wow, that's <laughs> or, amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's so their, cool. Better at multitasking. And then even um, when they go on to, I suppose, pick up a third or fourth language, it's it's easier for them when they do that at a later stage in school. So okay. as, it's a valuable life skill to have um right let's move on to sammy um hello to you sammy 17 month old not talking when yes. should i be worried and how can i help her i mean she's only 17 months should she be yes. worried now or not so in terms of vocabulary development and this is where we're coming now back to language okay so language delay so she's concerned about expressive language here not using very many words um by 12 months we're generally expecting that children are using between one kind of to six words, around kind of one to six words as a guide. So by 18 months, we're expecting that they're using approximately 10 to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's coming up to being closer to the kind of 18 month mark. So we, we would expect at this stage that she is using some words. Um, by 24 months, then you kind of are expecting children to be using anywhere between 50 and 250 words. Now, sometimes people will kind of go, oh, really? Oh, I, I, my, my child might be able to do that. Um, what I what I think is really important here for like Sammy or anyone when they're thinking about like um, words or counting words and, you know, you go to your health visitor, your public health nurse, and they say, oh, how many words are they using? It's important to highlight that approximations of words are considered words. So the word doesn't have to necessarily be clear. Um, it just needs to be consistently used 
in getting a, um, a message across the same way every time. So right. for example, I often give the example of my eldest who used the words um, Wawa when he was maybe two and a half. And Wawa used to mean granddad, but Wawa also meant water. Now, Wawa does not sound like granddad or water, but he was using them consistently to get the word water or granddad across. So it was counted as two words. As far as I was concerned, he was using that. It just wasn't clear. So, you know, even if they are saying we for window, it's, and they're consistently using that word, we're counting it as one of the six words or one of the 10 words or 50 words. Does that make sense that we yeah. count those approximations? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that we don't think of. When you read those stats that say, oh, they should be, you know, saying a hundred words by this age, you think, <gasps> but actually, yeah. like you said, it, it doesn't have to be the actual word. It's just some, a sound that An they use. An approximation of yeah. it. But like, I think a lot of the time people can be a bit, you know like um what to expect and milestones can seem scary but milestones are also there to help us know when we need to get help or when we need to require support or when they are behind and I know that sometimes you look at that go that's ridiculous my my Johnny wasn't doing that at like three he only had this and that look that's absolutely fine but we also need to be mindful that those milestones are there for a reason to help us to know when we need to seek further help or when we need to maybe you know, link in with the speech and language therapist or um, link in with our GP and say, look, we're a little bit concerned because we're not seeing this. Um, and you're asking me there in terms of what to do. And I, I think it's difficult at the moment. And I always say, you have to go with your parental gut on this. Like if you feel that, you know, they're not using really many words at maybe 17 months and um, maybe they don't have a huge interest in kind of interaction or maybe you feel like they're understanding very well, but they're not using words. You need to go with your gut on it and, and you need to link in with, with your public health nurse or health visitor or, you know, with your GP and have a chat with them or your local speech and language therapist um, just to kind of get some reassurance and take the first steps. And I always say, look, if you go for an appointment and somebody gives you the reassurance and says, look, I, I have no concerns, give it another six months, at least you've done that and you've given yourself kind of peace of mind that you've, you've linked in. And I don't know, like here in Ireland in particular, there are huge wait lists for for therapy services so there's there's a long wait so I always say you're better off erring on the side of caution and linking in if you're concerned and then if you don't need the appointment I can tell you nobody will be more delighted than speech and language therapists to say oh that's no problem you don't need to come but at least I suppose you've linked in and and you've put your name down so that the process later yeah exactly Mm. yeah and this is from Jennifer. Four-year-old repeats words when trying to say something, like he's got a stammer. How yes. do I help? So stammering is one of the things that I will say. If you're noticing a consistent like stammer or repeating sounds, that's the one thing you, look, you need to link in with a speech and language therapist because you need to do a detailed case history. You need to do an assessment. And it's one of the things when I would have worked in the public health system or um, even now, like it needs to be prioritized because you need to link in sooner rather than later. So if you're seeing that behavior and it's emerging and you've seen that it's happening more frequently and more consistently, I can't give you generic advice for children who stammer because it's such an individual thing um, they need to have an assessment and we need to see the type of stammer they're doing. Is it a family history of stammering? Um, kind of what's causing it? When's it happening more? The one thing I will say is if you are noticing your child is stammering, maybe start jotting down or taking note of when it's happening. So is it when they're tired? Is it when they get home from nursery? Um, is it when they're excited about something? Is it in the morning? Um, is it when they seem a bit... Um, like frustrated or when they're trying to maybe um, t- 
talk at the same time as a sibling and take note of all those things so you have that information when you do go and chat to a speech and language therapist or you do go chat to somebody about it. Um, the one thing I would say is not finishing children who are stammering sentences. Sometimes we want to kind of jump in and help them and finish off what they're saying. I would avoid doing that. Um, and I think it's okay as well with children who are stammering, particularly, you said, did you say that little was four he said yes for four years old yeah so so sometimes children can be very aware of it um they can be very aware that it's happening and they can get um like quite upset by it and oftentimes I might have parents Mm. who come to the clinic you know and and the child is stammering and they're like whispering it to me and they're they're like he's stammering and I'm like it's okay to say the word stammering it's it's not a a dirty word It's, it's not the elephant in the room I mean for as parents children feed from us so if if i on one hand we're not saying it because we don't want to make them aware of it but if a child is aware that they're stammering whispering about it and making it feel like it's something wrong can often be detrimental in terms of how they perceive the stammer themselves so sometimes it's okay to be like oh sometimes i do bumpy words or bumpy talking and that's a bit tricky and talking about it in a very open casual way so that children don't have a negative association with what stammering is yeah completely before we get on to the next question i'm gonna love and leave you thank you so much emma i've got to run and pick Gigi up (laughs) george has got the ultimate juggle today but stick around because we haven't finished we've got loads more questions to get through tips for working on joint attention and engagement so i guess she's talking you know potentially her little one can't um kind of sit down and and hold attention for a long time and is maybe Mm -hmm. kind of yeah, the concentration levels aren't that high, which I think, I think yeah. is quite high in most kids, to be fair. Mine, Kit won't look at me for, I'm like, look at me, Kit, look at me. And he's like running off into yeah. another room. So so there's no age on this, no. 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 Okay, so that's fine. So like generally with attention and concentration, and look, it's something that I work on a lot in the clinic. And, and sometimes children can be presenting as having difficulties with language, but part of it as well is that they actually find it really difficult to focus. So right. I would say... Um, it's, it's a case of building children's um, stamina up for doing tabletop activities. So they're not, you know, necessarily going to be able to sit to the table straight away and, and start doing like a, a puzzle. That's not going to be for, for all children. It's just not going to be something they're going to be able to manage. I like to do um, when we're doing kind of things on the floor or playing or if I have a box of toys for trying to kind of sustain a child's attention. I like to do something called keeper of the pieces. So holding on to, you know, even if you had something like a, um, a pig toy where you're posting coins into the back of the pig and I hold on to all of the coins and I give them one piece of time out of a bag, one piece at a time. So slowly but surely they only get one piece at a time. Um, similarly, if we're building a train track, I hold on to all the pieces of the train track and I just give them one at a time. So they have to keep coming back to me to look for it. And I go, train track. Okay, next one. So oh, it's this thing of keeper. Yeah. Yes. So Keeper of the Pieces is very powerful. So even having a box of really highly motivating toys, so like fidget toys and spinners and squishy toys and putting them in a box that they can't see through and kneeling down on the ground and go, okay, let's, do you want to see what's going to be in my magic box? We're going to have a look. And I open it. I don't let them look inside. And I take out one toy. And then they're, they're pulling. I was like, no, you can't, you can't look in the box yet. So we right. have a look at that toy. We talk about that toy. And then when they get sick of that toy, we put it down. And then we go on, we go, oh, we open the box again. Okay, let's see what we're going to get out. Okay, so by being keeper of the pieces and you holding on to the box of toys, look, we all know what kids are like. If you give them a box of toys, what are they going to do? They're going to dump it upside down, pick their fourth favorite things, and they're just going to leave. And you're not going to be, you're not yes. going to be needed. <laughs> yeah. So by doing this, you're you're sustaining their attention for a little bit longer. You're kind of making them work for it, if, if that makes sense, because not every toy is going to be the toy they want, but they're hanging on your every 
move in case the next thing that comes out is something that's really interesting. And it's the same with cars. If they like playing with cars, giving them one car at a time out of the box. It doesn't matter what it is, but keeper of the pieces. It's a great way of building up concentration um, and their attention for something for over a longer period okay. of time. So generally a task will last maybe five, 10 minutes if you do it that way. And there's a bit of back and forth and they're looking at you versus maybe one minute if you give them the box of toys on their own. We'll be right back after this short break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? This is from Emma, almost three-year-old, can't say l words, has the yep. w sound instead. Uh, instead, small tongue tie at birth, doctor said it was okay. Yes, absolutely typical for the age. So you um, have until you are four to master the l sound. Um, so that's not considered delayed yet. Um, making the w sound is a very typical developmental process that children will go through. If um, it persists beyond four, then I would link in with a speech and language therapist. But for the moment, um, just giving them time to get it on their own, which they very well might do. Um, Sometimes, yes, a tongue tie. um, Children can have a tongue tie and it it does actually very rarely impact on their speech. And that's another question I think that we have here that has been asked about, you know, concerns about a tongue tie. And and L is one of the sounds that your, your tongue obviously has to lift or elevate. And a tongue tie, if it was a very significant or severe tongue tie, yes, it could impact on the lust sound. But I've yet to meet a child in 11 years of clinical experience who's not been able to produce a sound because of a tongue tie, which is interesting to note. Yeah, really interesting. And also, I guess, I mean, this is a a personal question for me, but Kit has still Mm -hmm. got his lisp um, and he is going to be four in April. And he, like even yesterday, it was so cute. He was like, mommy, can we go get a walkie woad? Yeah. <laughs> so he's got yeah. the worst sound for the worst sound, yeah. but then there's a lisp in there as well. It's probably one of the cutest things I've ever heard. But at the same time, I just went Rocky Road. Yeah, we can go and get a Rocky Road. Is Rocky Road your favorite um, treat? So I tried oh, to you. do. Look yeah. at you modeling and recasting it. For I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had a good, I've had a good teacher, Emma. So I'm trying to do what you told us last time. But obviously, before we were exactly. sort of laughing at, not laughing at him, but we were kind of going, "Oh, that little lisp is so cute." And then that's yeah, obviously no. not the right thing to do. And you've modeled it the correct way there. And again, like the or is another one that we'll get asked about loads. And or saying woof for the rough sound. Like 
saying a what instead of an or is, is typical until the child is six. So he has until okay. he's six to master that on his own before it's considered to be delayed. And then what about the lisp? Is that still something yes. that is getting better? Yes. And yeah. I, I did say that to you. Oftentimes, look, I, I talked about the the soothers and lisps and, you know, we'll get asked, you know, can having a, a lisp or can have a, having a soother cause a lisp? And yes, it can it can absolutely make it more likely that your child is going to have a lisp because their tongue is going to be forward and, and protruding between their teeth. Um, it can resolve on its own over time. Um, but I, I say that again, kind of not until they're five. Are you looking at the lisp? Different therapists will have different views on this, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really start working on that unless the child was really motivated um, okay. until they were closer to five because you're asking them to essentially keep their tongue behind their teeth. And it's not necessarily something that's bothering him at the moment. And no. I would have just always felt we got through it a lot quicker in therapy when they were a little bit older. But it's 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 something as well that can kind of improve on its own over time, particularly if they're a younger age and you take their soother away and give them a little time with the soother away then before jumping into therapy with it, I suppose. And and can a child with a lisp not have a lisp? As in, I, I have some friends who have, who have a son who's now 11 and 12 and he's still quite got quite a strong lisp. And yep. should that have been tackled earlier? Will he always have a lisp now for life? Um, no, not for life. No. I mean, no, not for life. But no, he he would probably need to attend therapy for it in order right. to in order to sort it. So lisps, if they persist, they they probably at that stage they're not going to go away on their own. And right, they're going to need intervention and, and to work with the speech and language therapist. Right. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is from Leanne. My three and a half year old has a full vocabulary, but is choosing to babble like a baby. What do I do? Ignore question mark. Um, it depends on. <laughs> sometimes children can do this in different situations. I suppose um, when new siblings arrive, it can happen where children revert to kind of babbling and be more baby-like. Um, if they're doing the babbling, I get a bit like what we say with you know modeling the correct form of the word. You're just repeating it back as if it's not happening. Sometimes by highlighting it, or, or you can. It's kind of a funny one because without knowing the full situation now, but yeah. like. Um, you can kind of sometimes say, I'm not sure what you're saying if you know that they're able to yes. say it. Like I would never say that to a child that obviously is having difficulty or who's having difficulty with their pronunciation or is not using words. But if you know that they have the ability to put words together and are make and make a sentence, but they're not, sometimes you do have to kind of kind of make a communication temptation where you're trying to encourage them to maybe use their words in a way that you can understand. But I say that very specific to that situation, not for children who aren't able to do that. But if you know that they are able to do it or you've heard them doing it before. Mm. Um, and if not, or maybe they just have lots of single words, but they're not yet putting them together into sentences. That's very different. So in that situation, you're modeling the correct form for them again. You know, they're saying, um, they might be saying, doggy, you know, like with gobbledygook after it, you're saying, yeah, the doggy's running. I see him. The doggy's running. Right. Okay, so then you're modeling it back. So you're, you're for anything kind of scaffolding. They know how to say doggy. So you're kind of putting building blocks together and showing them what the next step is in, in making a little sentence. So they're different scenarios. It's hard to know from that question which scenario it is. But like I said, you would never feign, I don't know what you're saying if you know that they're not able to do it. Yes. But if you felt that it was just a situation that maybe there's a new sibling or there's been a change or it's more a behavior thing where they want to be the baby. Sometimes you have to say, I'm not sure what you're saying. Can you help, can you help me figure it out? Can you use your words for me? That's a very different thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've got a couple here that are quite similar. 
Joyce, Kat, also Claire talking about stuttering and stammering um, and mm-hmm. wanting to know. In fact, Joyce's um, nine-year-old has started stuttering, not all the time, but it's got quite noticeable. So yeah. um, I know we touched on on stuttering, but is, is stuttering something that can come out of nowhere? And what you know, how's the best way of sort of tackling it? Yeah, I, absolutely. Generally, it would emerge younger than nine, but it, it can come out of it. It, it can, I suppose, start suddenly. Um, some children will stammer maybe for a period of time, and then other children will go on to stammer into adulthood, and you know, will always stammer, but it'll just be a case of um working, I suppose, with speech and language therapists around stammering more openly or having strategies and things in place to support them when they do stammer, that they would have a tool toolkit that they kind of can jump into like you give them strategies and tools so when they do get stuck or um when they are maybe repeating sounds or feeling frustrated they have like different tools and things that you've worked on in therapy there's different types of therapy um depending on a child's age some are more direct um and then some are kind of more indirect approaches so that's why i say around stammering it's one of those kind of multifactorial things where there's a lot going on it could be that like you know uh something kind of traumatic happened to a child or it could be um, a strong family history of stammering where a parent stammered and then the child is stammering. So it's very important if you are seeing signs of a child stammering to to link in, to find a speech language therapist, have an assessment and then from there go with, okay, what's the right kind of therapy? What's going to support them? Um, because it's one of those things, it's a, it's a really hard one, I mm. think, as parents as well to see a child who's stammering and, and mm. to see them struggle and you want to try as much as possible to make it easy for them but stammering can be hard because it, it doesn't necessarily go away. Um, it mm. can just be something that kids learn to work with. And um, like you said, the language around it and your your whole attitude and demeanor around it is, is very important, particularly for an yep. older child. Yep. Do you know what? Ed Sheeran used to have a really bad stammer. Um, yeah. And he like it was terrible, like almost crippling. And then he started songwriting and singing, obviously from a really early age. And once he started singing, the stammer went away. Um, is is singing something that is has been kind of proven to help stammers or stutters? Well, when we sing, you you can't you don't stammer when you sing. Similarly, you know, whispering and things like that. Um, it's not to say obviously in in day to day life you can't go around singing, serenading everybody. Can I have a loaf of bread for my tea? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can you pass the fork? No, it doesn't really work. So, absolutely. Look, there's lots of. Do you remember like Gareth Gates years ago? It was a similar yes. situation and different. There's so many celebrities that have stammers that, like, you know, Marilyn Monroe had a stammer. Like, they talk about Rona. Loads of people. If you actually were to look into, you know, famous people who stammer. Um, so, look, there's the Michael Palin Center in, in the UK. It's great does amazing work with families and can be a really good resource to kind of look up um around kind of where to start and understanding stammers a little bit more but it is one of those things sometimes i will say look for speech you can model you can do this you can watch and wait and see and maybe it'll resolve or Mm. keep an eye on the milestones but stammering is one of those things that i will always say look i i wouldn't wait around if you're seeing it and it's emerging and it's happening more or it's getting more severe i definitely think to link in and get support sooner rather than later Okay, great advice. Um, This is interesting because this is actually somebody asking um, what to look for when choosing a therapist for a four-year-old. So... So what do they look for? They look for Emma O'Leary, but if they can't get Emma O'Leary, what else? (laughs) So look, yeah, um, somebody else had asked there, like, what do you do when a child isn't motivated or interested in going to speech therapy? And I think 
what you look for in a therapist is you are looking for somebody who is going to, first of all, make their sessions fun and engaging. Kids should never be dreading coming to speech therapy. Well, I don't think they should anyway, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they should be looking forward to coming because they're going to go and they're going to have a bit of crack and it's going to be good fun. Um, the thing about, um, in terms of choosing, you should always leave a therapy session feeling like, first of all, you know what happened, you understand everything that was discussed, and you should always leave feeling empowered, like you know how to put something into practice at home during the week. So a therapist is only ever there to support you in supporting your child and reaching their communication potential, as far as I'm concerned. So mm. <laughs> meaning you shouldn't come and kind of come for your 40 minute session at the end of it going, Oh, that was nice. I haven't a clue what any of that was about. So we'll come back next week and Emma is going to sort it out. It's yeah. that's not my role. My role is to make sure that you understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, that you feel at a point like we've discussed it and you know why we're working on what we're working on and that you feel that you're going to be able to do a little bit of that at home and it makes sense and you feel confident leaving my room that you're going to be able to do that at home with like a game or whatever it is because without that it's just going to be a much longer process um but you don't want it to be you want it to like I said you want a child to come feel motivated enjoy coming like coming and it just be an extension then at home of oh I was playing games with my mommy during the week and we did this and we did that children should never feel like therapy is work and sometimes it is work it's hard and they have to do hard things but they should be rewarded in you know with games or it should be done in a fun interactive way and look that's not always going to be the case. So you need to kind of say, look, kind of what's your approach? Are, yep. are you more into play-based things or is it going to be sitting at a table drilling words? Cause I just don't think that's going to work for like my Luke or I don't think, and I think it's really good to have a frank open conversation about that and say, look, I need you to explain that a bit more, but I can never stress enough to parents, never leave a clinic room or any appointment and not know where you're going or have a roadmap of, of what you're doing or why you're doing it. You need to understand that because in order to get the most out of therapy, it's, it's a team it's not just the therapist is going to fix my child it's we're going to work together and she's going to do a little bit I'm going to figure out what she's doing going to learn from her and then I'm going to implement that at home Mm, brilliant okay um and then just just kind of wrapping this up because um yeah I feel I realize we've been taking up loads of your time but you're so fascinating (laughs) it's interesting and there's a few here kind of saying my two and a half year old boy doesn't talk lots of babbling no proper words so different to my first child Uh, my 22 month olds only saying 10 words constantly babbling uh, it's complete nonsense. Is it okay or do I seek help? Um, you know, around the sort of two and a half, quite a few questions here around the sort of two yeah. and a half point, which I think most people suddenly start thinking, gosh, are they speaking enough? Do they have enough words? Words? Have they got a lisp? Are they stammering? Are they stuttering? You know, it's, it sort of comes into the forefront of front of your mind at that age. Yes, um, absolutely. Look, I um, this is probably the, the age group that I work with the most is this early, like, like, late talkers will we say where they're maybe not exactly hitting their milestones as Mm -hmm. expected and they're behind and they're doing lots of babbling and don't have as many words as we'd expect and lots of the time you know people are contacting me and they're like oh can you see them for an assessment um or like what do I need to do but that's why I started and I'd mentioned this the last day why I started running my online late talkers program for parents in that situation who are waiting or they're not sure um where to go or what to do um where They can sign up and we can do three sessions that are based around strategies and tools that they can implement and use at home that, again, they can feel like they're empowered and they're doing something and not just sitting and and doing that wait and see and just get more information and advice, I suppose, around language, language development and what to be looking out for. Um, And that is, again, 
I do that online over three weeks and parents attend and they can watch it back at a time that suits them throughout the week and they have a goal and they work away on the goal and then they come back and they get more tools and strategies and they put things into practice. And I always think, look, when you've done something like um, LinkedIn with your therapist, you've done something like the late talkers with me, at the end of that, then if you're not seeing much change, um, then yes, you do. You need to link in with um, a speech and language therapist or you need to talk to your GP or health visitor um, to get to get advice or support or to have an assessment done. So Emma, thank you so much. It's been so, so brilliant, super informative. And I think uh, everybody listening will have got loads out of that. Um, I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question again. We said uh, there were so many sent in, but we tried to kind of get as many done, didn't we, Em? So um, sure I'm did. sure that Emma wouldn't mind if you do have a question that you want answering, just drop her a little DM. Um, and obviously you're available for slots. I imagine you're really busy, aren't you? I, I, just a bit, but like I said, my <laughs> online course, everyone can do that around the world. So I have lots of people from the UK, Australia, Ireland that do that, um, okay. the late talkers course. Okay, brilliant. Emma, you're a treat. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. So many questions today. So many. I think it is one of, I think though, this speech and language is probably, for me anyway, is I guess it's one of the de- developmental stages that I worried about the most. Yes. Because, especially with Gigi, with Axel, I had no worries, but with Gigi, I definitely did because it was slower. She had, you know, a year during COVID where she didn't really see yeah. many people. And yeah. I think there's, you know, a lot of people feel the same. Yeah, totally. And also you can constantly be comparing yourself to other parents' kids. Yeah. You know, the kids that are around you and you've got, you know, parents saying to you, oh, well, my little Johnny did this at that stage. And you're thinking, oh, my little Johnny hasn't got any teeth yet. And it's like, it's a constant reminder that things, you know, aren't necessarily happening at the same speed as other kids. But that is, that is what happens. And unless there's something major going on there, sometimes you just got to sit it out. Um, We had a lot of questions as well, which I thought was really interesting about um, raising a, uh, a child in a bilingual household yes fascinating yeah it is and if you know if you are one of those people you're just interested in how that might affect their speech then we did actually speak to Manon on Tuesday's episode and her little girl um, will be raised speaking both French and English and we had a little chat about sort of how that might delay their speech development slightly but then again who really cares if it's going to delay their speech development in the first few years when by the time you know they're five or six they're going to be speaking two languages it's incredible cool isn't it it is um so um thank you so much as always before we go we wanted to chat about our products the things that we've been absolutely loving and using to death this week yeah absolutely yeah i can kick us off we haven't done this for a while so really sorry and we are going to be posting these products on instagram as well i'm going to kick us off so we've We've been on about Living Proof Dry Shampoo before, but they have actually brought out a new one, which is like an updated version that fully cleans your hair. I did not wash my hair last week from Friday until Wednesday this week. I can beat you on that because mine was Thursday (laughs) to Wednesday. Six (laughs) days I didn't wash my hair for. And have you been using that? Yeah, it's brilliant. so, so good. It does seem expensive, but... Wow, the time it saves you, 
and also the amount of like product that you would normally use if you had to wash your hair all those times love it absolute winner in my eyes yeah the next product that I want to talk about um, as you know Georgia and I are currently both doing up our houses at the moment so there's going to be slightly more interiors chat going on uh, is the children's furniture company now I wanted to do something really special for the kids um, with regards to their beds obviously moving into a new house new rooms I just wanted them to feel really settled Um, so we got the Butterworth white mid sleeper bed now the mid sleepers are quite a good um, kind of I guess middle middle ground they do these amazing high sleepers but I was really worried about Kit being up that high because yeah. obviously we've only just moved him out of a cot and they're really cute they've got like little drawers in them they've got a step ladder to go up quality's amazing they look great Ooh. in the room um uh children's furniture company did do me a discount but um i just wanted to kind of share that with you because they've got so many incredible beds there in fact the one that i'm really lusting off after is the mathila bowls it's called it's a treehouse loft bed <gasps> with a I've slide so 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 cute. i mean they're not i was always cheap, worried but... about those though i was always worried because i thought if i bought axel one of those would he just play before he went to bed <laughs> i really I, I did really think about it and they got loads um, of really good options so yeah check them out <laughs> um this is a brand that we have spoken about on instagram they're called initial delivery now as I said to Zoe, like I, f- I find once your child starts like a regular preschool or school, you get birthday parties all the time. Like they're, you know, every cup, every week, yeah. every Saturday, there's a birthday party and trying to come up with an idea for a gift for every single child is a nightmare, especially when you might not even know that child. So Axel's actually got a party this weekend and I got um, the girl a personalized t-shirt from Initial Delivery. I think That's they're so about, cute. yeah, I think maybe like 15 pounds something like that um but yeah i i I always think something personalized is a makes a really good gift especially like if you don't know what they're particularly into also the mum will thank you and the dad will thank you it's more for the mum isn't it it's not more plastic toot in their house yeah so they will be plastic toot <laughs> is that like is that like an, is, do you mean tat I mean chur <laughs> I love you um, right my next product is something that I've been using for a while it's from This Works a brand that we absolutely love it's called Love Sleep Pillow Spray and um, I hope I'm saying this right it's got ylang ylang it's quite hard to say in it it basically kind of encourages a deep sleep and just takes away any sort of anxiousness or anxiety just basically really lovely scent on the pillow that calms you before bed it's been working a treat with me um so yeah and also it does get a bit smelly smelly boys they make the pillow smell weird don't yeah they? they do with all their sweating yeah ugh. have you got a last product <laughs> yeah i have <laughs> um so anyone sort of struggling with all the the meals that they need to prep now the kids are back to school i'm finding it difficult where they finish at different times axel has after school club on some nights james is home at different times so i was actually sent last week some frozen um, meals from pots for tots oh yeah um, and so yeah they're really good I've just kept them in the freezer and then like for instance yesterday Axel had football training a bit later on so I just popped one of those in the oven as soon as he finished school and he just had that and then he ate again a bit later on but that I just think they're really great they're super healthy they're really balanced um yeah they're just really really nice meals um and very handy to have in your freezer 
Love that. Um, thank you, as always, for kind of making this podcast happen, especially these Fridays, Friday episodes. We're so grateful for you for kind of sending in your questions and being part of it. Um, and if we didn't get to your question this week, please keep sending them in. We, we try to get through as many as we can. We would love you as well to rate, review, subscribe and follow the podcast. Yeah. And if you do have any suggestions for guests you'd like to hear on this Friday episode, then please do drop us a message. We're on at Made by Mamas or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production. Insanity Group. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.